a lot of us stop listening to our inner voices and to our intuition. And it's very easy to do when the playbook of success is predefined. I think it's particularly hard for immigrants, right? Because you show up and you say, oh, here's the textbook that I can follow. You got to go to this kind of a school, this kind of employer, this kind of zip code for where you live. Here's your hobbies. And that looks like success. It happened to me in my 20s and that I said, this is the playbook and I'm going to go and execute on it. And at some point you start feeling the angst and something is off. This is In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. I'm Suchi Srinivasan. And I'm Camila Rakimova. Each episode, we have meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. Camila, I can't believe. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So excited to have you here as my co-host. Thank you so much, Suchi. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for creating this opportunity for me. Thrilled to be doing this together. It's amazing. So, Camilla, can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your life before BCG? Absolutely. I'm Camila Rakimova. I'm a partner and managing director at BCG in the San Francisco office. I joined BCG two and a half years ago out of Amazon to expand our presence in the startup and VC ecosystem and to help organizations innovate and build product. That's awesome. So what kind of startups, what kind of innovation do you focus on? Right. So as we look to lead the industry in serving the needs of founders and their advisors and their investors, you have to specialize, right, so that you actually can support a cohort uh, in rising. For me at BCG, it's fintechs. So I lead the fintech practice on the West Coast, working with lots of payments and other kinds of financial services providers. That's been really fun. My background is in financial services prior to Amazon, and so it's been really good to be able to bridge the full spectrum of early founders and innovators, as well as some of the multi-decade established players. Very happening. I understand that your undergraduate degree was in political science. So talk to us a little bit about how you navigated that distance between the two. My undergraduate degree is in international development, actually, and that was my very first career. I grew up in Tajikistan, a former Soviet republic, now an independent country. And Tajikistan had a civil war in the early 90s when I was in middle school. So by the time I was graduating high school, we had a huge influx of development organizations. So imagine all the United Nations agencies, as well as very standard nonprofits uh, from the U.S. that operate internationally, like Care International, Save the Children, and others. Because I happened to speak English better than most of the population of Tajikistan at that time, my skills were in high demand. And so I uh, started working, actually, when I was 17. And my parents had to sign off on that. And very quickly, I found my niche and what was interesting to me, and that was microfinance programs. They were extremely empowering to underprivileged populations, women in particular. So especially women were, who were bread earners in the households because men either migrated to other countries to make a living or were actually lost in the war. To me, the power of microfinance was astonishing. And so I supported those programs and then brought that job with me to the U.S. and continued for the first six years in international development. And then at some point I said, look, 
I got to do some quant analysis here and learn quant <laughs> skills because this international development stuff is great. And, of course. Yeah, and microfinance is great, but not uh, mathematical enough. I said, I'm going to go and work for Fannie Mae. I have some friends who work there. They have a really strong quant program for sort of early professionals. Uh, they taught me how to write code. And so I coded in SAS and SQL and wrote risk models and stayed in financial services. So it was a development angle to it and social sector, and then took that career into the private sector and continued on that path for a while. And so financial services have been with me or I've been with them for oh my God. Um, a bit over 20 years. That's amazing. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. That's a lot of distance. <laughs> so look, inevitably, just hearing you talk about that journey, you've got to have faced so many challenges. Of course, you've picked up on a lot of opportunities. Are there any that stand out for you that were pivotal as you think about in shaping you as a person and obviously opening up this career and pushing you along that'll be good for us to hear about? One thing I'll say is that what's been with me since I was a really young child is this awareness of when the spaces I'm in and the environments I'm in are no longer conducive to my growth. And so the very first time that I told my parents that I was leaving was when I was six. And I told them that I was moving to either Switzerland or Sweden. I didn't know the difference between the two countries at that time. <laughs> and, and that's been a running joke in the family. And so I think that's been on my mind and sort of a thread throughout my life. A couple of really big opportunities for me. The very first one is the opportunity to come to the U.S. as an exchange student, which was in the uh, late 90s. I was in a State Department fellowship. Tajikistan, where I grew up, is a poor country. Uh, just to calibrate things, my dad made 200 bucks a month maximum most of his life. Half of the economy subsists on remittances, and half the population lives on less than a dollar a day. That opportunity to come to the U.S., see what's possible, was extremely meaningful and sort of kick-started my American adulthood and a lot of the successes that I've been able to get to. I think a couple of other pivotal moments, being able to switch gears and say, I'm going to work with founders and startups. There is something special happening here. And it didn't happen overnight. It took me a couple of years of angst and agony and figuring out how in my mid-30s I'm going to make that switch. And then being able to build a business within the behemoth of Amazon called Alexa Startups, right? And reach thousands of founders via a couple of different vehicles. That was really meaningful to me. And it wasn't me, it was lots of other people creating those opportunities for me, right? Nothing worth building ever comes overnight. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> any mentors along the way who helped you would love to hear if there were some along the way. I love recruiting mentors along the way uh, and learning from them. And I think as I play with this concept, I think recently I find a lot of children to be amazing mentors, including my own, right? That if you tap into the wisdom of those spirits, it really is there. But in my career, um, many. And so I, I think back to the very first that exchange year in the U.S., right? My American host family really set me up in understanding how things work in the U.S., how things could work back home. And so the mom in that family, Debbie Felix, I'll give credit to. She's an amazing educator herself and a mentor to lots of young and older professionals. And so she comes to mind uh, as the beginning of my sort of American path. And then throughout my career, lots of folks I rely on and ask for advice. Let's shift gears into your current time now at BCG. Talk to us a little bit about 
your current role as managing director and partner? What do you do? What does your day look like? And what are you working on currently that might be exciting for you? So my role on my best days is advising and supporting executives and leaders. Very often when they ask us for help as BCG, it's because their organizations are in vulnerable states, either in, in vulnerable states because growth is not happening or because growth is about to happen and you need to be ready for that, and or because these leaders need help in their own growth, right? They're new to their roles or they're looking to transition into additional roles. And so I find that opportunity to be so precious and the trust that's given to me as an advisor to be incredibly meaningful and energizing to me. And so most of my days are spent doing exactly that. So working with uh, leaders of organizations, big and small, and helping them navigate change and then preparing for that together with our amazing teams. And so that's my daily life. <laughs> that's awesome. Talk to us a little bit also about your time at Amazon. You know, that's such a storied organization. I know our listeners would love to hear about the program that you built over there, albeit with the village of people. But how did that work? What did that do? Talk to us a little bit about that. So I uh, started building a business called Alexa Startups probably like about five years ago. And it wasn't the first time that Alexa or Amazon was working with founders. There were a number of corporate venture investment vehicles, but those don't scale very well because there are only so many checks that you can write in any given year. And our goal was to drive adoption of AI technologies at scale, right? Um, and what I did as part of that role is study how innovations get adopted and how developer and customer communities thrive. And, and basically, one of the core principles is that you need to have innovators who are part of co-creating the technology with you. And if they're not, then the tech is probably not going to grow and be adopted as quickly as it otherwise could. And so my goal was to serve thousands um, and we got to that. So we stood up a whole bunch of programs where if we weren't writing checks, we were advising or building product together with founders. The most meaningful piece to me, other than reaching scale within a couple of years and very quickly, was engaging underrepresented founders. And so we stood up a couple of programs for women founders, for black founders, to make sure that their innovations, their voices were heard. And there were many different ways that we could deploy the power of Amazon to support them. We were uh, making sure that they were featured in a lot of our marketing activities, right? But then actually being able to write checks and build together with them and advise them on their founder journey, bringing in other uh, VCs who are interested in supporting underrepresented founders. And so that was very powerful Moment. I know so you probably will ask me later about when I felt in my element, but that is one of the moments that went on for a couple of years where I felt very much in my element. No, I think it's so powerful, right? Um, let's talk about through your journey, do you encounter many senior women in the space in which you're operating? What have some of those experiences been like? Mm. One of the ways that I contribute day-to-day -to, -day to advancing diversity and equity in the workplace and in corporate America is by giving more of my time to women executives I support, right? And not tying that to any particular commercial outcomes. 
And I think that's extremely meaningful to me. So right now I work with several women leaders who are CPOs and CDOs, so chief product officers and chief digital officers in their organizations as they look to innovate product and scale products within their orgs. And so that's super meaningful to me, being able to do that and supporting their careers and seeing how far they can go. There are also a couple of women CEOs that I work with right now, extremely inspiring cohort. And then, you know, women at BCG as well, something happens, you know, you and I talk about this, Uchi, how once you reach a certain level of your career as a woman leader, it's been so challenging, right? So much adversity, so many hurdles along the way to get to where you are, mm-hmm. that at that point, you're just an efficient machine. You don't, you don't have time to play too many games. <laughs> I'm glad you're speaking oh. it for what it is. I think a lot of yeah. women leaders would resonate <laughs> so, with that comment. At some point, you just breathe uh, freer and you enjoy and bond super well with other leaders, women leaders in particular. And so I really love the cohort of women leaders we have at BCG as well. But also, I, I include my clients in that. And so that, that's that been a very special thing. Because at times in my career, I think in yours as well, right, you are bright and successful and therefore you're often the youngest or you're the only woman at the table and in the room yes or because of the industries you work in right in tech and finance and venture you also tend to be a minority yes and, and that can be really scary and, and feel absolutely feels lonely isolating yeah and then being able to look back at 20 plus years of your career and say actually I got my cohort it's a community we might not be in every room all together all yes. at the same time yes. but I know who they are and so like I my one of my biggest pieces of advice to my mentees and to women out there is collect these people, know who they are. You don't need to be in constant touch with them, but just know because the power of all these women, starting with my grandmother to the woman I talked about who hosted me as an exchange student, you women who are my ment- spiritual mentors, right? Like that community has my back and I feel them with me in every room that I go into. I also talk about having your own personal board of advisors, right? And mm. and I think drawing from that collective wisdom. You brought up an important point to this idea of sort of trusting your inner voice and intuition as you navigate your career. So can you share a little bit about, has this been easy? Do you do that often? You know, tell us a little bit about how, how you think about this space. Mm-hmm. So the inner voice... Probably every five years, something comes up for me where I say, mm, that, I, I think I want to explore that thing. <laughs> and yes, so, something's calling you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, it was international development for me at the beginning. Then I had this itch that I needed quantitative skills and a private sector experience. Then at some point I said, well, you know, I got to go and work in this consulting space and I will only work there or otherwise bust, right? The same thing happened with venture and startup space. And so ideas like that come up (laughs) and you have to listen to your inner voice, but also to the universe, really. Like I'll talk about spiritual things for a moment here. The answers are out there, right? And like just grabbing on uh, to the playbook isn't always the right answer. You have to sort of give in and listen. And I think that's the hardest thing. A lot of us stop listening to our inner voices and to our intuition 
And it's very easy to do when the playbook of success is predefined. I think it's particularly hard for immigrants, which I am a first-generation immigrant in this country, right? Because you show up and you say, oh, here's the textbook that I can follow. You got to go to this kind of a school, this kind of employer, this kind of zip code for where you live. Here's your hobbies. And that looks like success. It happened to me in my 20s and that I said, this is the playbook and I'm going to go and execute on it. And at some point you, you start feeling the angst and something is off and, and you start digging. I started digging in and, and asking well, what what is actually, what does Camila want? Yeah. And it's the alignment, right? With what is calling to you, what is naturally you and what defines you. How do you kind of gain the confidence to pursue that? And not fearing the judgment or the anger of others. That's another big piece. I'll talk about this in a second. <laughs> because those voices come in, right? Like whose voices and what's noise versus not. And so I think in, in listening to who you are, I think it's also important to know who you are not. And so the, I know in um, Buddhist philosophies, there is this practice of figuring out what you are not and peeling that off, right? Like, for example, I don't want to be skiing. Like, I'm not a skier. And I got to just let go of this winter sports. I like my warm weather. <laughs> took me years to be okay with that, right? Um, and other things like that. But Coming to terms to who I am, like my spiritual purpose is in this life is twofold, I believe. One is that I am here to create experiences other humans can enjoy together with them, right? And this could be a single meeting. It could be an entire business we build, a product. My second purpose in this life is to challenge the system from within, which is something that you and I laugh about, right? Which is what I do because I exist in the system. and I Yes, thrive. you do that. <laughs> this is your calling card, Camila. You do. <laughs> Thank you. And so coming to terms that those are actually my purposes in life, right? It, it is not to become necessarily a CEO of a Fortune 50 company, right? And embracing that and saying, this is what I do really well and others benefit and I thrive when I do one of those two things. I co-create amazing experiences and joy in life with people. And I challenge the system from within while also belonging to the system. So I think that's the uh, where I am. And, and it's been with me for a while and listening to those voices. And then just back to like really listening to what might be interesting, right? Like every five years, th this piece of AI technologies is interesting. This kind of a function is interesting. And then on topic of other voices, because we talked quite a bit about mentors and how they're critical and listening to them and collecting them along the way and feeling the power of them, even when they're not in the room with you. Wrapping it up a little bit, what excites you about being here on In Her Element? What are some of your hopes and aspirations for this time on this podcast? Absolutely. I'm so excited to be talking to incredible women leaders to be doing this in partnership with you, Suchi. I mentioned my one of my spiritual purposes in life is to create uh, really great experiences where people enjoy themselves. And so this is one of those culminations for me <laughs> in being able to do this together with other incredible leaders. And I'm just looking forward to having a lot of fun learning from other women and, and bringing that wisdom to many others. That's awesome. We have so much rich ground to cover. I can't wait to get started. <laughs> Likewise. I'm not going to ask you about a time when you felt you were in her element because you've already... <laughs> told us that unless you want to add on to that and share any other sort of seminal moments in your career as you kind of wrap up here. I'll just add one thing. I, there's seminal moments, but then there's also the daily moments, like finding myself in meetings that might not seem super significant or in just coffee chats, right? But where I get to co-create an idea or a great conversation 
is one of the places where I feel in my element. And when I break it down, it's like, what is it, Camille? How can somebody learn from this and see if it's a practice they want to adopt? Maybe I'll speak to it from the standpoint of the kinds of practices that matter to me that bring me into alignment, right? The, the, all the different aspects of me, intellectually and physically, spiritually, emotionally. Meditation definitely is one and many different ways of practicing it. You gotta find your own, but I think it's a must, even if it's not a daily activity. I think two is being in nature, right? And connecting with nature. I feel like I'm part of a bigger thing and I am in my element. And then lastly, being in a community of people having great conversations and exploring some of these topics you and I are talking about, that makes me feel like I'm also in my element doing it with incredible other women and people. Well, that's all for today. This has been In Her Element, a podcast from BCG. Join us next time to hear more meaningful and vulnerable conversations with women leaders in digital, business, and technology. Thank you so much for listening.